0: Anyway, it's called Practicing His Presence, and it is a book written by a a brother, a a Catholic monk, in the 17th century. It's been around 350 years, and um, you're going to really enjoy it. Even if you're not taking it for credit, I recommend that you get it. Larissa's not here tonight because she's in Erie. The weather's even worse up there. So uh, Tina is going to take orders for the book report book. The cost is $11, um, and I really urge you to get it. It's excellent as far as walking with God on a momentary uh, level. In other words, all through the day. It will really encourage you. Um, And without further ado, the author is Brother Lawrence. He is uh, a monk from the 17th century. There's also a part by Frank Lobach, who in the 19th century was a missionary to the Philippines. And it's exactly the same kind of thing, letters from his father, talking about walking momentarily with the Lord. So it's the same idea, practicing the presence of God, practicing his presence is the name of the $11, if you have the money, give it to Tina, she's gonna have an envelope and take that. Take the order. She'll take orders for it, and I need
1: to know how many. And uh, you can pay next week if you don't have it today. Okay, out. I'm gonna ask y'all to stand for a moment with me. Is this on there? Yes, I can hear you. Father, we come to you tonight, and we lift up our hearts to you, Lord. We know, as Jesus said, we can do nothing without you. That's right, Lord. We appreciate you so much. We thank you for your love toward us. And may we show our love toward you by keeping your commandments. I pray, Lord, tonight that by your spirit, Lord, you would come and you would minister to all of us, uh, that you would open up our eyes to see that each person here, Lord, would receive something from you, from the word tonight. And we'll be equipped to give you the praise and the honor and glory. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's turn to Romans chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 1. And I, I want to say this, whenever you're reading your Bible, uh, there are key words that when you hear them, they should you should stop and you should say, okay, now what what's going on here. For example, the word if. If is a conditional word. Um, The word then. When When you read the word then, you hear that, you say, okay, then this is happening, but what happened prior to that? This chapter here begins with the word therefore. Therefore, again, means that something has transpired or the writer has said something previous to this that may be of some uh, use or value to us to see in the context. So, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Now, back to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourselves, or you who judge practice the same thing. So he's speaking here to the Jews. Now, I, I don't know um, as far as the background of the book, but I'll say this uh, anyway so you know, that the, the main founders of the church in Rome were Jewish. But there was an emperor that ro- arose in uh, Rome. His name was Claudius and he made a decree that all the Jews had to leave Rome. So they had to leave. And some years later they came back, and when they came back they found that the church there that was started by many of the Jews were were exclusively Gentiles. And now you see this friction between the Jews and the Gentiles that you see throughout the Scriptures in certain places. Because mainly the Jews thought the oracles of God through the Lord to Moses, they were the chosen people, and the Gentiles were excluded, and they looked down at the Gentiles, and so forth. And so Paul has to deal with this in the, in the Roman church here, just like the same thing goes on today with, with churches, with groups. One may think that they know more, or they see more, and they look down on another person. So he says this. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. And he says, "You, what you're saying about them, you do the same thing." And I was reminded of some years back when I went to the gym and I got on the treadmill. And there was a treadmill on either side of me, and another fellow walked over and he gets on the treadmill next to me. You know, walking for I don't know who he was, walking for 10, 15 minutes, and I'm thinking, you know what? I wish this guy were used to there. He really smelled bad. And as I'm walking for 15, 20 more minutes, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait till he gets off the treadmill. And so this went on for a while. Finally, the guy steps off and goes away. I think yes. But the funny thing was. (laughs) <laughs> that the odor never left. So I was very quick to accuse this man of not using deodorant when really it was me. Oh. <laughs> I've been mean, meaning to tell you something else. <laughs> <laughs> so that is something that's in our nature, in our old nature, our carnal nature, to judge. The Jews, they were judging the Gentiles. They are not as good as we are. And that's, that resides in us. But see, now we're Christians, and the Lord wants a change, not just a change in our mind, but a change in our heart, a change in our life. So that when we look at other people, we don't judge them according to the natural. We don't judge them according to how they look, what they do, and all that. Uh, And that's a very, very good thing. So he says, therefore, the Jews will also not escape the judgment of God, just Just like the Gentiles. Because, verse 2, he says, God judges, or His judgment is according to truth. The Lord sees what is true. He sees the heart of man, and His judgment is true. And I believe that the Lord wants all of us to be, to some degree, Christ-like. So that will mean That some of these characteristics, some of these things that the apostles say and teach, for us, the Lord wants to do the same thing in us, so that we're not so quick to look and judge others, and so on. So let's move down to verse 6. So in verse 3, he says again, um, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and are doing the same. Same thing. Verse 6. Who will render, speaking of the Lord, who will render to each one according to his deeds? Verse 7. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So in verse 6, God will render, or he will reward, or he will give according to one's deeds. And remember, the deeds that we do, the works that we do, are related to what is in our heart. Whether we do them correct or not, works in and of themselves can be beneficial or they cannot be beneficial as far as our our reward, depending on our heart. In verse 7 and 8, uh, you see these words. In, I'm using the New King James, by the way. In verse 7, he says, Eternal life to those who by patient continuance In doing good, seek for glory. So there is a a seeking there. In verse 8, he uses the word here, self-seeking. So there is a difference. He's pointing out two different directions. Either we can seek what is good. We can seek the Lord in our life. uh, We can seek to walk with Him or we can be self-seeking, which is the direct opposite of the character that we find in Jesus Christ and the character that we see in the prophets and in the apostles and so on. And so he's pointing out here that there are two different heart directions. And we all were born with a free will. I see people all the time, Christians, I see them in the Bible school that I... I teach at where sometimes you get someone in there and they're not as sincere as they think they are. And of course, I'm not judging, but I'm just stating the fact. And they go, they go along for a little while, and all of a sudden, they're out seeking things related to what they want, self-seeking. And again, that is something that is a residual thing in the carnal nature. That is why the work of the Spirit of God for every Christian is that He would take all these things that are not from the Lord, they are not from the Spirit, they are not, are not related to the spiritual gifts and the spiritual um, character of Christ, and take them out. You see this graphically in the book of Colossians, where he says, "Put off this, put off that, put off this." He's not saying that God's going to do it. He's saying you do it. And then he goes on. And he says, "And put on this, and put on this thing, and put on this, thing. Uh, and put off this." And he goes on in in two books, Colossians, and I think it's uh, Ephesians, I think. Uh, but that's important because. As I said, uh, I was ministering in church yesterday, and I said to the people, I said, you know, a lot of the people that come to the church we go to, they've been coming for a long time, 20, 25, 30 years some of them. And it would be a waste if they would have come to church all this time and not have the right heart attitude toward the Lord so he can work in their life the way he wants to. So many times, we become our own worst enemies. And we always want to blame everything on Satan. I, I believe that Satan does think, yes. But God has given us a free will. And the Lord at a particular time that the judgment is going to lay things down and say, okay, what about this? What about that? What about this? What have you done? What have you not done? Have you been a self-seeker? Everything is about me. And you say, no, that can't be. Christians aren't like that. Yeah, that me. I've seen enough of it. But I love the Christians that seek the Lord and put Another ahead of themselves because that's christ life, and that's actually the whole foundation of the Lord's, uh, well, the Lord's, uh, Lord's, uh, Lord's supper putting someone else ahead of yourself. And so, Paul has to deal with this thing between the Jews and the Gentiles, different cultures, uh, different thinking, um, so so different, and now they're in the same church. And the Jews say, no, it has to be this way. The Gentiles say, you know, you have to be certain, you have to obey the law. And Paul deals with that in his epistles all the time. Now let's move down to verse 13. I guess we can read 12 also. For as many as have sinned without the law, so he's dealing with this law, uh, this issue with the law, because (laughs) the the Jews related to the law. And Paul, as, as being the apostle to the Gentiles, also says to the Jews that, you know, that this law thing, they think that, that that's their salvation, keeping the law. And, and it's not. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So it's not the hearers, but the doers. You notice the key words there in verse 13, hear and doer. And the word hear or hear is translated hear, listen, obey. Now, I want to show you this, and we're not going to turn to the Scriptures because we don't have time, but the word here, now if I say, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you hear me. But in the biblical sense, that's not necessarily true. The biblical sense of the word here in the Old Testament, and I'll give you the strong number, that's 8085, the Hebrew word, English, pronunciation is shama. It means to hear and obey. Okay? When you come into the New Testament, uh, that's Strong's 191. The low and need, lexicon, says this. To believe something and to respond to it based on the basis of having heard. So it's the same basic thing. So when the Lord says, for example, in Deuteronomy 28 if you hear, or you, if you hear my commandments and you obey my commandments, when you see the word hear, it doesn't mean like you're hearing me. That's true, but the biblical word hear means to hear and obey. Basically what's Paul, what Paul is saying to hear and do. In Revelation, uh, he that has an ear to hear Let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. It doesn't just mean to hear the word. It means that if you're hearing something, there must be in us a corresponding action to what I'm hearing the Spirit say to me. So a person can preach, a person can teach. and You can sit there, I can sit there. And I have, and I've, I, you know, sat in classes. I, I sit sit in church and listen to ministers minister, and you know, you hear the message. You hear, you know, different things that they're saying. <coughs> and every once in a while, something really t- it comes really, really to you. The Lord lifts that and he says, Ah, now this is applied to me to my life. Now, did I hear that? Yes, I did, but it's not true hearing in the biblical sense until I hear and do, or hear and obey, or hear and follow through. And so the Spirit says, okay, this is for you. This is what I want for you. This is what I want you to do. Say, okay? For me to say I heard means to hear and obey. This is very, 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 very important because just hearing can be dangerous. (coughs) And I personally believe, and I've seen this, that there are churches throughout, not even the United States, across the world, where people hear the word preached. But that's the end of it as far as their concern and their life's concern because nothing changes in them. They don't follow through on a particular thing that the Lord is showing them or teaching them. So this is very, 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 very important. And in James, let's you turn to Luke chapter 6, I'll read a verse from James. This is James 1, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror. He observes himself and goes his way and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. He's a forgetful hearer. And in Luke 6, verse 47, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, you see that? Jesus spells it out there. Not just hearing his sayings, but hearing and doing. I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, The stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So this particular truth of hearing and doing is a foundational truth for your life and for my life. So much so that if if I do not take heed to this, and this does not operate correctly in my life, then that means that I am subject, me, myself, my spirit, my my Christian walk, is subject to destruction. Because remember, if you continue on, those who didn't hear and do, thought they were okay, thought their building was fine, They thought they were on the solid rock and so on, But they found out that whenever the the stream came, that because they didn't hear and do, their house fell. Or, in other words, they didn't make it. And I often thought about the scripture, you know, where in, I think it's Peter, he says, that once more I will shake. You know, in the last time he's going to shake. But you really, you, know, you really don't have to worry about that. You know that? There's a lot of things, even the revelations say that are coming. You don't have to worry about that. I have people that say, oh, do you believe in the, the, the pre-trip, the mid-trip, the, the post-trip? And I said, listen, I believe that if you hear and you do, and you receive the grace of God for you today, and tomorrow, and the next day, the grace that he brings to you. It doesn't matter what comes down the road. You'll be ready. You'll be standing. You'll be fine. doesn't matter if there's a persecution. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if you have a lot of money in the bank or you don't have money in the bank. It doesn't matter. Like a bug here. Don't get rid of it. It's the I know. I was going to go like <laughs> this. One. But see... We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be concerned. We just need to to do what we're we're seeing. There's certain principles in the Bible. Now, I'm just going to digress just for a moment. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Remember him saying that? I think I shared this last time. Well, we just read a key. The key is to hear and do. So now... If you want your foundation correct, you hear and do. So, so it's not the Lord that is going to do this. You are going to do this. You're going to take the key, and the key is now. There's a condition here that you hear and do. And you're going to take the key and you're going to insert it in there and you're going to turn it. And now that promise becomes yours because you have used the key. He's given you the keys. There's throughout the Bible all these all these scriptures with all these conditions. See? Jesus given it to you. So the responsibility many times I, I believe in the scriptures and I see this uh, is upon the individual believer.
0: Mm.
1: And even to be a disciple. You know, Jesus, so I, I love Jesus. You, know, you read about it, what he does it in the gospels. It's amazing. <laughs> so He just walks by and he, he says something. He doesn't, you know, <coughs> In the name of Jehovah, you must this. You know, just walks by and says one word: "Come and follow me." He keeps on going. If they don't come and follow him, they don't follow him. And we we want to kind of prop everybody up. All they need to do is hear the word of God. And if they hear something, see the disciples heard something, and what they heard did something in them. But remember, they had to get up and move. They had to use their feet, their legs. See, you live in a body. Without the body, you couldn't have came here tonight. Your body, you know, you went home, you ate or whatever, and you walked into your car, and you came here, and you walked in here. See, you know, God didn't bring you in here on a carpet or something, you know. So there is a responsibility for all of us, and I believe, That it's it's not so much, it's not so difficult. It's just sometimes people just don't want to do it. They they just get lazy, or they just don't want to do it because they have something else in their mind or whatever. But this is a principle. And for you and I, to hear means, when you hear that, you, you should read that, that means hear and do. So this is, this is a premise upon which the fulfillment of God's promises rests. Verse 13. Now let's go back to Romans here, too. <clears throat> For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when the Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature... He's talking about a person's conscience here, by the way. Do by nature the things in the law, these already not having the law, are a law to themselves. So let me read this from the Amplifier. When Gentiles, who have not the divine law, do instinctively what the law requires, They are a law to themselves since they do not have the law. And he's speaking, I believe, about the conscience of the individual. And that was the issue. Paul saw that the Gentiles were, by nature, not not the carnallies, but but, um, by their conscience, were actually doing what the word, the law said that they didn't have. And then you had the Jews who had the law and they weren't doing it. Jesus dealt with that all the time with with the Jews. Paul dealt with it. And I still think that the Lord deals with his people today. Not based upon the law, but based upon them hearing and doing. Verse 15 who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. You see in that verse he talks about the conscience. Now let's move down to verse 21. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? Now this becomes a principle that is learned by the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, all of them. And that is, and if you teach a Bible study, I mean, you actually study, and you you go through the Word, and you prepare, and you go and you teach, I don't know, some of you may teach Sunday school in the church. One of the things you find out is that The message is not so much for the people. It is for the people. Many times it's for the teacher. Many times the teacher has to deal with certain things in order to bring the message forth. Do I want to be uh, a hypocrite? Do I want to be a hearer of the word and not a doer? You know, people can do that. But the teacher, the Lord teaches the teacher, doesn't he, Eric? <laughs> and until you're in a position like that, you don't really, you do see a lot of it. So many times what he does, you sit down and you start to prepare something. And of course, you know, I prepare for the classes I teach all the time. And many times what happens is... You're in the middle of preparing something. The Lord's giving you this. The Lord's giving you that. That's really great. Oh, this, this is fantastic. And then, he's, then, then you find out that, okay, now here's the mirror. It's <laughs> right before you. So I remember, I'll go back some years, just share this with you. I remember some years ago, I was single. And the Lord opened up the book of Ruth to me. And I saw some things that book. I said, oh, my goodness. I never heard these things taught. This is fantastic, this is wonderful. So I taught this class, and I thought, for me, it was rich, very rich. And then, in the middle of the semester, the Spirit of God showed me that he wanted me to live what I was teaching. (laughs) Seek not a wife, Paul says. You know, um, Boaz wasn't seeking a wife. He was doing the Father's business. He was doing what he he saw before him to do. Ruth wasn't seeking a husband. <coughs> and do I have faith in God? The church I, I'm at, it's not like this church. This is big. You can see it from the road. church I'm at is on a dead end street down there. Nobody even knows it's there. And so here I am. I'm teaching this. The worst is now you can live it. If, if I have a heart to live this, he will enrich the word as I'm teaching. That's what I saw. And so I said, okay, Lord, I will not, I will not seek a wife. I will wait for you to provide the one you want. And the Lord put me through the ringer. I met Christian women. I, met, I was working in Pittsburgh. I met Christian women up there. I went to a Bible study. And there was there was a Christian women there. We were all single. And I was sitting in a chair. And there was an empty chair next to me. And this girl comes in, blonde, beautiful. You know what I'm saying. Beautiful. I says, oh, my goodness gracious, Lord. Is she the one? And the Lord says, don't even look at her. Don't even talk to her. Don't say hi to her. Don't say bye to her. And so I sat there, never looked at her. And it was just a test. And as the night was going on in this Bible study, I I felt the presence of the Lord. And you know where it was? It was between me and her in the empty chair. (laughs) So do you want to be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word? Sometimes it's not so easy. But see, God wants to give you something. And what I mean by that is he wants to give you a richness in the inner man. He wants to give you something so that you have something to give a person in need. To so Give a person. And I went through this whole thing for well over 12 years. And I said, okay, Lord, if I never get married, that's fine. You know I want to. And then lo and behold, she was living out in California, and she comes into this dead-end street, this church, and walks in the door. And I said, hmm i gotta, I got well, to watch this. i got to keep my eyes on it. I didn't talk to her for what, about a year. Never talked to her. Nothing. Cause I, I want to make sure, Lord, that she's the right one and she's in this church for the right reason. And then the Lord did what he does. He does what he does. So, I mean, if, if you want something from God, then he's willing to give you richness. But see, as I said earlier, He'll put some responsibility on you to act a certain way, to do a certain thing, or not do it, a certain thing, whatever it may be. You know, what you get in God, you're not going to get it the five and dimes store. <laughs> go to the mission field, brother, if you want something. Okay, you go to the mission field i can tell you some stories. you got a lot of stories. I had some stories when I went to Peru last time. The, that the Amazon, basically the Amazon. Every time I go to Michigan, it's always some, like uh, my one friend, I met him, I was flying out to Peru at the airport. I hadn't seen him. He's not a Christian. I hadn't seen him for years. He's at the uh, airport. He said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm, I'm flying to Peru. He said, what are you doing for us? I said, I'm going down uh, near the Amazon, there would be ministering in a Bible school and uh, preaching in churches and like. That. He says, "Oh, how exciting! You're going on the Amazon!" I thought, "Boy, he has—he knows nothing." <laughs> so exciting as long as you go, not me, you know. <laughs> but the point being this: that if you really want the Lord in your life, and I believe you do, or you wouldn't be here. You could probably have there's other things you could be doing, right? Maybe not as much fun. You'd have to clean the house or something, but oh, it's not fun as being here. can't yeah, wait to come. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, free coffee, yeah. So, you know, if you want something from the Lord, and, and what I mean by that is that in the process of time that he deposits something in you, some some richness of Christ in you, that you will be able to give to others, then you have to walk with him, and and walk with him means you have to walk with him, where he wants you to walk. I mean, you can't do what I, what what the Lord has called me to do, you can't do what the person next to you is called to do, but you can do what you're called to do. See, so it all comes back to this individual responsibility many times. Okay, so. Um, <coughs> Let's go to verse 21 and 22. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? Well, you should be. You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? See, we're talking about a hypocrite here. But, you know, we know there's no hypocrites that are Christians, right? But we don't want to be that way, do we? I always said to the Lord, I said, Lord... I want to be true, I want to be correct in my walk the best I can and I don't want to be a person that you know tells other people to do this and then I do something different. And I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be what I see in the scriptures and we have a lot of good examples in the scriptures yeah. people that are way way up here. <coughs> you know, I would rather emulate them. verse 22. You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? So the message of the minister is first to the minister, then to the church, Here in the hearer and the doer. As I was saying, in First Timothy, you don't have to turn there. Paul tells Timothy, this is First Timothy four sixteen. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those that hear you. You see that? So uh, you know Timothy had to be a a doer. He had to he had to be able to receive from the Lord. Uh, He had to be able to receive correction in his life. You know, if I can't receive correction, then you know what good am I as a Christian uh, as far as the Lord having me minister the Word, if I'm not going to do certain things in my life, I believe that the words that come out in the teaching, like it said, that the, none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. So if you want to have that, you can have that. I believe. But that means that you must walk with God. I must walk with God. So that I give him an opportunity in my life to do what he wants to do. And I have found out that I prayed this uh, more than once in my Christian walk. But I remember years ago praying, Lord, I want to know your ways. Because in Psalm 103 it says that, that the children of Israel knew the works of God, the miracles of God. But it says that Um, Moses knew the ways of God. So I was thinking, okay, what are the ways of God? Now the ways of God, you can read about some of them in the Bible, but that's really not how you learn them. See, the ways of God are taught by the Spirit and I found out the best place to learn them is not church, I'm sorry to say the best place to learn some of the ways of God is your own personal circumstances. And if you look for the Lord and you keep your heart open to the Lord, you will find out, you will see, He will start to reveal Himself to you in your circumstances. So I remember working... I remember working... Uh, with this one individual, and uh, I worked in uh, the secular field for 32 years. Then I retired, and I got another job. Anyway, I worked with this guy, and the 30 years or 27 years I worked, I never, ever worked with a guy that was so hard and difficult to deal with. (laughs) <laughs> no matter what you would do, no matter what you would say, he was like Mr. Contrary. Did. And he would do all these crazy things that I, I tell you would say. He was a mental game. And so I said, okay, Lord, I want to be nice to this guy. Even so, you know, sometimes people get on your nerves. Like, you know what I'm saying? You get on your last nerve. And I said, Lord, I want to be like you. Well, I found out that I didn't quite make it to where Jesus was. (laughs) There were some successes, and I did okay. But I was actually able to see in that circumstance how the Lord treats people and what his attitude is toward people that are contrary to him. And so I had put up with that for like three years or so. And he left and I was saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Then another man came and took the same bid. And this is the truth. He was 50 times worse. Oh, my. He was so unbelievable. I used to come home and share some things with Linda. She'd just shake her head and say, oh, my goodness. It was just crazy. And I worked in a building it was about 100 employees. And the majority of the people did not like him. Some of them hated him. Several of them drug him into the back room and were going beat him up. How bad it was! Another guy almost just lost him on him because he he pulled in with his car and scraped his brand new car and stood there tonight. Crazy things. So the Lord said, "In my spirit, I knew." Do I want to view and see just this, how this man acts? Or am I able to look past that to the Lord, to Jesus? And be open to this man every day. So I worked with him for five years. And I can honestly say this. I, I tried to befriend the man. I was always nice to him even sometimes when he did some things directly to me. Uh, we were at, at this one uh, facility, and I, I had an opportunity to witness to a man, for a different man, because so, he asked me. So I, I was, during lunch, I'm talking to him and talking to him. So this guy got irritated because I was sharing the gospel. So he, he left the lunchroom. So after lunch, I go out on the work, f- work floor. And so he, in front of his people, he goes and grabs a mop bucket and grabs a mop, sticks it in there and starts flinging it around. He says, here's your gospel. It's flying everywhere. Look at it. And he's just acting like a fool. But that's the stuff I had to put up with. But the, the, the thing I wanted to show you is that we can see to some degree the ways of God in our circumstances, your circumstances are, are different. My circumstances now are different. But if we're open to learn the ways of God, He will show us in, in certain avenues. Show us certain things. He'll show us things about ourselves. He'll show us where we lack. And He'll show us how He would handle the situation and how He would act, the attitude He would have, and so on. And, and you begin to, to see in various circumstances, different things, and he'll teach you things. Very nice. Now let's go to verse twenty-eight. You see here. Now I've, I've skipped verses because Paul Paul goes into certain things. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of trying to bring them together to make it easy for us. Have you read Romans 2 before? Uh, when you read it, you look at it and say, this is it's not real clear. What's going on here? So i try to clear some things up for you here. But in verse 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Now, You have to understand that God gave the oracles or um, the commandments and, and all that to Moses on the mountain. And the Jews were the chosen people. He brings them out of Egypt, takes them into the wilderness and all that. Now, when they became a nation, they had all the Mosaic laws and uh, they tried to fulfill the law, and all that. Then you had all the other nations that were around them that were Gentile nations. And there was always this view from the Jews that the Gentiles were sinners, of course they were, but they were not good enough, they weren't a part of the Jewish system and all that. And Paul was a Jew. The Hebrew Hebrews? Pharisee Pharisee? Steeped in Judaism, taught under the, the Jewish teacher, Camelio. He, he knew some things. Paul was born a physical Jew. Is anybody here we, has anyone been born a physical Jew here? We did this in church too. Nobody raised their hand. Because we're all, we're all, we were all Gentiles. Non-Jews. So here you have this man, Paul. who was a Hebrew. He's a Jew. Born a Jew. And the selection of Peter was to the Jews. The selection or the call for Paul was to the Gentiles. And the Lord comes to him in Acts and and teaches him that God is not a respecter of persons. And he's taught by the Lord in the wilderness for three years. Taught by the Spirit bringing back to him, the law, the teaching that he had from the Jewish religion. And now the Lord's going to show him what these things mean. And so he writes this. This is a man who is born a Jew. Verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is the circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Now, telling that to a Jew, they laugh. Because the circumcision, oh my goodness, the circumcision, that was one of the main things in the Jewish law. The circumcision was the covenant between Abraham and God and between the Jews and God, circumcised on the eighth day. And he says, because you're circumcised, that's, you're not a Jew doesn't mean you're a Jew. It's just like because a person calls them a Christian. Self-a-Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. You find that out, too. Verse 29. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. So Paul is telling these Jews that true circumcision is not the circumcision of the flesh of the physical but true circumcision is circumcision of the heart whereas the physical there in the physical there was a circumcision and there was a cutting away now the circumcision of the heart in spirit is very similar Because now there is a cutting away of the sin. There's a cutting away of the old life, the old man. And there must be a walking after the inward way. Now when you were born again, you weren't physically born again, right? We know this. There was a change in the inner man. There was a change inside of you. There was a change inside of me. And when you go to Matthew, go to Matthew 7. Here it is. Okay, Matthew seven verse thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate. For <clears throat> wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. So the entrance into the narrow gate is not a physical entrance. See, when you were birthed and I were birthed from above, there was an inward way there and there was a narrow way and our entrance into the narrow way was not a physical entrance. It was the spirit of man. Your spirit enters into this way. And initially, salvation takes place. But that's never the end of it. The Bible never teaches that a person, you know, once you can say initially that you have it all, there must be a continuing, there must be a walking, there must be a a, a moving in this inward way. I think that there's let's go to Isaiah 35. I'll show you this again. Many times we get things confused. And we start off in a particular way. We're we're birthed from above, born again, and we enter into the narrow way. Then we start to, instead of relating to the Lord and allowing the Spirit of the Lord to help us, teach us, and guide us like it says He would in John. We revert back to the way we were, and we reason, and we think, and we do all these other things rather than really following the Lord. Now, Isaiah 35, verse 8. A highway shall be there. Now, there may be some literal fulfillment of this in the future. But this applied to Israel, I believe, also back then. And it applies to us today, all Christians. A highway shall be there in a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. So this is not talking about a literal physical highway, per se. Now, I understand the context of this. I understand what what it means back then when the Romans in Rome, they made a highway. It's a a raised area where the troops could go from city to city. But he specifically says, not just a highway, it's the highway of holiness. And see, holiness is not the outward thing, like Peter says, the plaiting of hair and the wearing of, of jewelry, all that that he says, no, but the the, the uh, meek and quiet spirit, the inward, the inward person, the inward way. And the highway of holiness, we move on to that in the inner man. That's why I keep on trying to say this inner, inner way. There's an inner way. And to stay on that way, somehow, some way, the Lord must get us, he must communicate to us, um, whatever, whatever must occur with us, so that we don't just understand or have an idea of what holiness is, that we begin to live as holy people. Turning away from sin. Repenting from sin. And when we do that, and we're serious, we're going to walk with God. Then we enter in the inward way into the highway of holiness. So he says here, "...a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness." The unclean shall not pass over it. So if a person, through their omission, decides to do unclean things, then they're off the highway. They're pulled over. (laughs) Not because the Lord doesn't want them there. It's because they have chosen another path. Reading here in verse 8. But it shall be for others, whoever walks the road, although a fool or not a smart person, not to be smart to be a Christian, shall not go astray. No lion, no beast, whatever shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. See, that's the place that we are to be. Now, I understand that we're dealing, and you deal with these things in the Bible all the time. These are spiritual things. They're spiritual truths. And cert, certain spiritual truths cannot be taught. So when I say you need to walk after the inward way, I believe that's why there are a lot of problems in a lot of churches, and that's why I believe that, that certain Christians don't continue because they never learn this. Paul in Galatians five sixteen says, walk in the Spirit. Same same thing. Same thing we're seeing. And so the the redeemed shall walk there The Lord wants us to direct our life in a direction away from the world, away from sin, away from all the corruption, and determine once and for all that we are going to walk with Him. That's what He wants. That's what the Spirit of God works in Christians all the time to accomplish a consistent walk with Him. I had a man in the Bible school some years back, maybe. A, a 10, I have to, when I think it's like six years ago, I have to add about six more years to it because time's flying so fast. So maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I had this man in the Bible school. Came in, he was, you know, I say on fire. He was so, he was sucking it up. He was, He was there for all the classes, and he's he's sharing this, the Lord showed me this, the Lord showed me that. And all of a sudden, poof, he was gone, gone. I said, where where did such and such go? He said, oh, he he went back to a lot of the things that he did before he was saved. So he was gone, he was there for half a semester, at the time I think we were running eighteen week semesters, now we run sixteen. And then the following semester, halfway through, he came in again. So I after a class I talked with him and I said, you know what? And he was sharing certain things. I said, you know what, you need to, to leave off these things if you're going to be a Christian. It's that simple. I said I'm not condemning you or criticizing you, I'm just telling you the way it is. You have to you have to stay away from these things and these people. Yeah, yeah, I know it, I know. So he stayed for a little while. And poof, he was gone again. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he came back a couple years later. <laughs> and I said, you know, where have you been? Well, I got involved with a woman. I met her. I'm living with her. I said, you know, you can't do that. If you're going to walk with the Lord, certain things have to go. Did you know that? He says, yeah, I know. And I talked to him a couple classes, you know, a couple times after class. Never seen him since then. So, if, you see, you have to understand the Lord did not say, you know, okay, I'm throwing you out because you sin. He doesn't do that. Because we sin, because we fail, you know, He doesn't do that. You know, He's very supportive of us. He will help us. He will guide us. He will forgive us. But after a period of time, he wants us to make good decisions and to do what we really know in our heart we should do. A lot of times we don't even need to read the Bible. We know what's right and wrong. Now, I didn't have to tell him these things. He knew them. But I felt to tell him anyway. And so there he is, he's gone. The Lord wants us, all of us, to serve him and walk with him. And I like what Paul says the circumcision is not not of the outward, you can't walk in the outward, but it's of the heart, it is of the inward and we are to serve the Lord in that way Father I thank you for tonight I thank you for each person here Lord we just we love you and we thank you so much and appreciate you so much uh, Holy Spirit for coming and to spend spend this time with us as we share your word Uh, we ask Lord that your word would touch all of us Lord and change us in some way to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks, Amen.
0: At what age were you born again? Um when